want you to look at Revelation chapter number 9, and we're going to be reading out of uh, verse number 1 all the way through verse number um, 12. It says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven into the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened up the bottomless pit, and there arose uh, <clears throat> a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of this pit, or of this abyss. Listen, it says, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those thing, or only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Look at verse 5. It says, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be, uh, that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Now, I want you to look at this verse, and we'll probably hang out at this verse at the end mostly. It says, And in those days, probably one of the saddest verses you'll read, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces, it says, were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth was as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and their stings were in their tails or in their tails. It says... <clears throat> Uh, and their power was to hurt men five months, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and, but in the Greek tongue it is Apollyon. And it says in the last verse we'll read this morning, it says, One woe is past, and behold, there are, two, there are two woes hereafter. There are more woes that are coming after this. Church, we've talked about the tribulation period for a little bit now. Just hang with me for a second. We've talked about the tribulation period for a little bit now, we talked about that Matthew, Jesus tells them that the first three and a half years are bad. But he says the second three and a half years are worse. He tells them that the first three and a half years are sorrows and, and rumors of wars and, and fightings and famine and earthquakes and diverse places and deaths and all those things. But Brother Jacket says that the second half of the tribulation is woes. It's full of weeping. It's full of darkness. It's full of horrible things. And so church, I want you to pray with me this morning that we can find the things that are true in here, find the things that are honest, but also be able to find those things that are of lovely and that are of a good report. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you. As always, Lord, we give you glory for every single thing that you do. God, because you're worthy of all of our praise and all of our glory. Lord, we ask you today that you just please speak to us. I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be just a simple day that we just kind of go to church and that people say, all right, we went to church and now let's go out to eat. And then we just kind of let that fade and vanish, Lord. But let it, let it be something that fills us up today. Lord, let us hear from the truth. Let us hear something in a world where we live today where there's so much false truth, so much fake things that are out there, Lord, things that are altered, things that are photoshopped, things that are reported wrong, and they're reported as truth, but they're lies. And God, you told us in Jeremiah that in the last days that they will trade good for bad, that they will trade uh, what is right for evil. And you told us that even the priests, even the preachers, the prophets, that they would stand and they would preach and they would deliver evil as something that's good. Let it not be so here, Lord. We love love you. We thank you. We ask you, Lord, to please speak to us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it all together. Amen. 
<clears throat> Church, if you were here last Sunday, <coughs> Sunday morning, I'm going to kind of just run through this part real quick. We do have a lot of things that I want to try to cover today, but it's really all just Scripture, and the Scripture that's in Revelation chapter number 9. And uh, last Sunday, we talked about the Revelation chapter number 8, and we talked about the first four trumpets that blew against the earth. You remember he said that there were seven trumpets that were going to come in, and they were going to sound against the earth. And those first four, we covered, listen, isn't that amazing? We covered four in one Sunday. That is amazing. That's something to testify about. I, I don't know if you've been here long or have ever visited here before, but the preacher usually only gets like one of them in, all right? But we got four of those things in last Sunday, and you didn't get out really, really late, amen? Uh, last Sunday night, we had a good time with the Lord. We cut a tree apart. We grafted some things. We grafted into the family. We had a good time, amen? Uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, shame on you. Or last Sunday night, shame on you. We had a really, really good time. And to talk about where God has put us in. But we talked about four trumpets last Sunday, and the first one that we talked about was a trumpet that blew, and that as it blew, it blew. The Bible says that the wrath of God or the judgment of God came upon all of the land. Uh, when it came upon the land, the Bible says, if you remember, there was one-third of the land that was burnt up. The green grass was burnt up with fire. The green trees were burnt up with fire, and it was one-third of it all. Uh, how many of you, um, I know we talked about this Wednesday about the news and about, you know, fake news versus truth and how relative truth versus actual truth and uh, we've got a whole world that's kind of messed up with truth today. And uh, listen, we shouldn't allow that to be in the church. In the church house, we should know that we have some truth. We have something that's concrete, something that's immovable and steadfast. Flowers will grow and fade and die off, but the Word of God will stand forever. Uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and shall be forevermore. We should, we should hold on to those things. Yes, we live in this world, but we shouldn't let those worldly ideas creep in. We should test these truths out in the Word of God and to see if they're true. And I'll never forget preaching on the seven churches of Revelation and talking about how great and all the truth that we were bringing. And we were bringing in a lot of history. You remember we were talking about a lot of things that dealt with Rome and dealt with Greece and brought it all in. Everybody was like, oh, it's awesome, it's awesome, awesome. And now we get to this point where we've had seven uh, of those seals opened up. And then it opened up that last one, opened up seven trumpets of God's wrath that were going to blow against the earth. And uh, we don't understand this because, wow, we, we've not experienced it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to experience it. So we don't understand these things fully, but that still doesn't take away from the truth that it is. Just as like us, we were looking back at the seven churches of Revelation, we know that they were there because history has stamped it in books, other books besides the Bible, that have proved their existence. We know that all of the things we've talked about have been stamped when we're looking backwards, but when we're looking forward, we don't understand fully what's going to happen, but we should do this. We should trust that if God showed us all of that other truth, why in the world would he give you something that was false or a lie that's coming in the future? It's all going to take place. Amen? It's all going to happen. And a third of the trees and a third of the grass was burned up. The second trumpet sounded, you remember, and all of a sudden the Bible says that there was something that looked like a mountain. It did not say that it was a mountain. It said that it looked like a mountain and it was cast into the seas and that what happened? The seas turned to blood. A third of the oceans, a third of the seas turned to blood, right? The, four, the third trumpet sounded and the Bible says that we saw this great star come down. This great star was not someone, but it was something, okay? And because it was something, it had a personal noun. It had a capitalized word for it. You remember what it was? Pecan. If you were here last Sunday, you know what I'm talking about. 
If you were not here last Sunday, you don't know what I'm talking about, and you missed it, and you should come Sunday, all right? But it was called Wormwood, right? But it never referred to Wormwood as a person. It never called it a he or she or anything or a person, but it declared it to be something. And in the Old Testament, we looked it up about eight times or nine times in the Old Testament scriptures. The word wormwood is used as a tree or a bush that grows in Israel that actually causes bitterness and causes sickness and it spreads to everything that it would contaminate or touch. And that's what the Bible is saying that when this star or this asteroid or meteor, whatever it fell, when it fell down, because it is word asterisk that means a star in the Greek, when it fell down, it actually turned all of the fresh waters Bitter. One-third of the fresh waters all became bitter to where they couldn't drink. And we use the illustration that the Bible says uh, the waters of Marah, when the children of Israel came through the Red Sea, and when they, right when they came through the Red Sea on the other side, what happened? They went to drink out of the waters of the well called Marah, M-A-R-A-H, and it says they couldn't drink because the waters were bitter. What happened? The Bible says that Moses talked with God and prayed with God about it. And Moses was told by God, you take this small tree, throw it in that well water, and the bitter waters of Mar will become sweet. Amen? And that's exactly what happens if we today will take the cross of Calvary and what happened at Calvary and put it into our life, then we can have that wonderful water of life that flows from us. The fourth trumpet that sounded, you remember the Bible says that a third of the sun third of the moon, a third of the stars, all of the things that gave out light, a third of them were smitten, is what the word said, or struck. And what that means is, is that now, instead of having our day and our night, now we have only two-thirds of the day that we actually had before. So darkness is taking over the earth. And as darkness is taking over the earth, we left off with that. What's happening? The world is becoming more and more and more evil. Because of the darkness coming into the earth, the Bible says Jesus tells us plainly what? It says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So the Bible teaches us that in the cover of darkness is the evil done. The Bible even says this, uses a great illustration. John, 1 John says that what fellowship hath light with darkness? The same way that good cannot have fellowship with unrighteousness or evil, right, man? So the Bible teaches us that we would get up and work while it is day, for night comes when no man can work. The Bible puts very big emphasis on light and day and being good and evil. And so the Bible says now the earth is a third darker than it used to be at adult during the daytime. Think about it for a moment, church. The days already, the Bible says, were going to be shortened during that time, seven years, because of why? Because of God's grace. God's grace. I know we've been talking about tribulation and God's wrath. And I know we've been talking about his judgment that is coming. But let me tell you something. Even found in the wrath and the judgment of God is his grace. You say, oh, I can't understand that, Brother Steve. All we've talked about is doom and gloom. I cannot get that in my mind at all. I can't understand that. But yet you can understand this, that in the depths of our sin, no matter how vile it was, no matter what you did, don't confess, don't raise your hand, don't tell people what you did. But think about those vile things that you did. Those ungodly, unrighteous deeds that you did. And understand this, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Understand this, that where sin abounded, when it was big time prevalent in your life, where sin abounded, God's grace did much more abound in your life. 
So we've got to take that same thought process that in the vilest state that we could ever be in, whether it was a thief hanging on the cross suffering for the deeds that he did, the vilest sin that we committed, God's grace abounds much more than the vilest thing that we could do. We also need to understand that in God's chastising arm, in God's judgment, and in God's wrath against ungodly and unbelieving and unrighteous people, that God's love and God's grace is still there. Church, I'm telling you, God's grace is a thing that we can't explain it. We can't put it together. Even in the song that Brandon sang, you can't package a song together to explain grace. I imagine the writer of Amazing Grace going, Wonderful grace. No, that, that doesn't fit. Outstanding grace. No, that, that's just not sufficient enough. Um, overwhelming grace. No, 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 that's not it. And just simply says, Amazing grace. It's amazing. Why is it so amazing? Because it can take someone like you and like I was in our sin. And it can change us inside out. It can flip a person's life inside out. You said, Brother Steve, I've not seen God's grace in this tribulation. If you were here Wednesday, I showed you a little bit of what God's grace is. Do you know that in seven verses of Revelation chapter number 8, in seven verses last Sunday morning that we preached about, just those seven verses that 12 times something is mentioned. 12 times something is mentioned in seven verses. And you know what it was? One third. A third. A third. A third. A third. And you go, Brother Steve, what does that mean? Is that some kind of mathematical thing that God says, okay, it's going to be this? Or Brother Steve, is that some kind of equation to where he's saying, okay, it's going to be this land and this land equals a third of it all? When you look at it, church, it really boils down to this, is that God says you can only harm one third. Why? Because God is still gracious. Brother Mitch, God is still reaching out to people during that time. And he's allowing them to come to Christ through those 144,000 preachers that are preaching the word of God from the, what, tribes of Israel, amen, from the 12 tribes of Israel. And God is still saying, no, not all of it just yet. Not the whole earth just yet. As Peter says, this earth will melt with fervent heat. No, he says, no, only a third. Man, isn't that awesome? Isn't that God? Isn't that the grace of God that shows you over and over 12 times that, hey, I have grace? And then all of a sudden, this Sunday, look at verse number 1 again. It says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. The Bible says today what we're going to talk about is this fifth trumpet that is sounding. The Bible says this fifth trumpet that is sounding, that there's something that's going to appear on the scene, that is darkness and smoke, that smoke continues to come up, that it's going to actually cause even more darkness upon the earth. Even more than the third of the earth already being covered with darkness. Listen, it's already going to be to the point where now this is going to cause more darkness to come to the earth. The Bible says, number one, if you're taking those study notes with you and you're writing these things down, and I wish that you would, the Bible says that there was a star that had fallen. And I want to show you something right here. Look at verse number nine. If you got your Bible with you, look at verse, I mean, excuse me, verse number one of chapter nine. The Bible says right here, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Now, in your translation, it says that you saw a star fall from heaven. And when you look at that, in, in, in the King James that we read earlier, it kind of gives us a, almost an idea that when it says that uh, when the fifth angel sounded, that, that he actually turned and saw the star falling right then because it said what? I saw a star fall from heaven. 
But actually, you need to know the true translation. The Greek word is called pipto, okay? Kind of like tiptoe, all right? But pipto, all right, not, not pepto. Pepto is different. That's for stomach aches. This is called pipto. And this word is found throughout the New Testament. In the Greek language, it's found over and over and over. And it carries the word of something that has fallen, something that will fall, something that has fell, okay? And many, many times, more times than not, this word is used as fell. And you say, well, Brother Steve, well, my translation says that he saw a star that had fallen. And that would be the accurate translation that you should have in the Bible. Because why? It teaches us that something had already happened. John beheld the star. He didn't behold the falling of the star. He beheld the star that had fallen. You say, well, Brother Steve, I need more help to understand that. I'm glad that you asked for that help, okay? Because that's what I want to do. The word pipto is the exact same word that the Bible says in Luke chapter number 8 that a sower went out to sow some seeds. And as he sowed some seeds, it just so happens today that I am loaded and I have 50 cents in my pocket. It says that as he went out to sow the seeds, it says some fell among the wayside. And as he sowed, it says, some fell among the stony ground, and some fell among good ground, and some fell. That same word is pipto, and it means something that had fell, okay? Or was fallen in the past. That it had fell in there. Some fell among that. So the word of God is teaching us that this star that John beheld, this, this asteros or this star, this, this something that came out of the sky, it says that it had fallen. But look at what John was noticing. Look at verse number 1. It had fallen from heaven to the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So, Brother Steve, why wouldn't this star... Already we've known, we've already talked about two stars that have fallen. We talked about stars that have fallen out of the sky. Remember, one of the seals, it says that the sun, the sun and the moon, the sun would turn to black, uh, sackcloth, the moon would turn to blood, the stars would fall out of their sky. The same word, asteros, or, or star, or meteor, actually says that it's fallen, okay? Then we talked about last week that that wormwood, that it fell out, and when it fell out, it fell to the earth and hit the fresh waters and stuff. Brother Steve, who is this star? What is this star? You look at it, this is a person. This is a person, you say, Brother Steve, it's the same word, astros. It's the same word carried all the way through those other ones. But something separates it. Look at verse number 1 in your Bible one more time. It says that he saw the star fall from heaven to the earth, and it says, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Something that separates the way that John had understood this, this star that had fallen, now he sees that this is not something, but it's someone. To him, this church, this is Satan. The Bible speaks about Satan falling from the heavens like a star. The Bible says Jesus' words alone. It says, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Luke chapter 10, verse number 18. Jesus said it was like lightning, like a bolt, like something that was brightly burning and came down to the earth, which is the same thing that John was saying. John referenced back and said Satan had fell to the earth. Church, you know that when Satan tried to promote himself above God, God cast him out, and what did he do? He roamed the earth. Brother David, what did he say in the book of Job? He said, Satan, where have you been? He says, walking to and fro, roaming in and out of the earth. 
Doing what? Seeking, as what we talk about in the New Testament, seeking someone to devour. Amen? Listen to what Isaiah said about it in chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. He says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? He called him the son of the morning. He called him also what? A bright star, a bright morning star at one time. And you say, why would God give that description to him? And also that description is given to Jesus that he is the bright morning star. Why would that happen, Brother Steve? Were, were, were they as some uh, uh, religions teach? Were they brothers? No. No. They weren't cousins either. And they weren't even twice removed. They were not stepbrothers. They were not half-brothers. They were not kin. Listen, Satan was created and Jesus has always been. Amen. Amen. Jesus is God in the flesh. Satan was created by God. Amen. But he did what? He rejected his creation and he fell to the earth. Listen, what was Satan's duty? Satan's duty as an angel, Lucifer, an angel of light. Also, if you look up the word angel of light in the dictionary, you'll also find the word morani, which is not meaning moron or kind of putting him down. What it's talking about is mourning, like brightness and mourning, and you look it up. Actually, if you go to Gardendale today and you pass through and you go by the, uh, uh, the funeral home, you'll look up on top of that temple that's built out there, and there's this huge angel that's made out of gold and it has a horn and all that. That's actually called Morani. They call it the angel of light. But the Bible very specifically declares that that's Satan. And you think about it for a moment, you go, wow, that's amazing. Satan's job was to give glory and brightness and praise and honor unto God on the throne. You know why Satan hates you? Because that is what you're supposed to do now. You know why Satan despises you? Because you hold his position to give glory and honor and recognition unto the one that sits on the throne. Amen. That's where we ought to insert some kind of clap, some kind of amen, some kind of headbutt or something. You know, look at the next verse. The Bible says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. You see what he says? He says, I'll be as God. I'll be great. I'm going to have my position. Satan has always wanted to be God. Satan has always wanted to be king. The Bible says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Pride. Look at verse number 15. It says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. He says, you won't have all those things. Why? Because Satan was cast out of heaven. And that's what John was saying. He said, that star... That one that even later in Revelation calls an angel says that one that is cast out and he's like a lightning bolt or he's like a star that comes to the earth. He says something was given to him. Church, something happened. There is a sight here that is very, very fearful. Church, the Bible says in verse number one, it says, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. What is the bottomless pit? Now, some of you think that's your husband or your son when you go to a buffet or a Thanksgiving dinner. That's not the bottomless pit. That's close. That's not the bottomless pit. Uh, the word here in the Greek is, is uh, abusos. And uh, I know some of you think, well, how do you remember all these Greek words? I have to put them to country things that I know. It, it's really close to applesauce. It's uh, 
abusos, and it actually means the abyss. It means the unending darkness and abyss. It is the realm, not of the dead. That's called Sheol and Hades in the Bible. No, this is the realm of the damned. This is the realm of those angels that left out with Satan of heaven in the presence of God. And they entered into damnation. And they are being held in a pit. This pit is not what you would call a mosh pit. It's not one where you think, well, you know, I could do that. I could take my chances in that. Even this pit, church, I'm going to show you that even the demons that roamed the earth did not even want to go to the pit. The Bible says it's a bottomless pit. It is the pit of abyss. Do you remember Jesus when he healed that man that was full of demons and the demons called themselves legion because there were so many in him. Do you remember the Bible says that he came across the Sea of Galilee there, the Lake of Tiberias, and says that they saw a man that was running in the tombs in the cemetery and was cutting himself and was naked. And the Bible even says, Brother Mitch, that the guy was just so wild that they would wrap him up with fetters and chains and that he would often break them because he was so powerful. And listen, he was full, full of the devils. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8 and 31, it says, And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep, into the abusos, the, the abyss, into the pit. The Bible says that when Jesus addressed that man that was full of the demons and he was going to cast them out, they began to beg Jesus because of Jesus' authority. They began to beg Jesus, please do not cast us out into the deep. Out into the pit. Can you see these demons? The Bible says that the demons believe and they tremble. Okay? Can you see them trembling before Jesus, the almighty Son of God? And He is there, and He has the power to command them to go wherever He wants them to go. He has the power, church, literally to tell them to go now into the pit, into the deep. You are cast into the abusos goodbye, and they are gone into that pit. But these demons are asking for mercy. And they're saying, don't cast us into the deep. And they said, but there are a herd of swine. Over here, pigs. He says, please, cast us to go into them. You remember that? They killed themselves. They jumped off the cliff church just to go and to do what? To look for some other soul to go into. To look for some other abandoned soul, some person that is an unbeliever. You say, Brother Steve, do you really believe in demon possession? Do you believe it actually was something that was biblical? Absolutely. Church, I believe that it's very true. Just as much as I believe that those stories of how those people were healed from their demonic possession, I believe that it happened. I can't sit around and believe the fuzzy stories of them being healed and not believe that it actually is something that goes on. And listen, people go, well, those were just biblical things. Those were just biblical days and all of that stuff. What do you think drives the evilness in the people today? What do you think drives people today to kidnap? What do you think drives people to abort? What do you think drives? It is the drive force of demonic possession and even people that are oppressed by the devil. Not possessed, but are oppressed by the devil, which means he's not on the inside, but he's continually forcing from the outside. Do you believe it? Yes, I believe it. I believe we have many names, we have many labels, we have all kinds of things, but let me tell you something. All day long, you could put a Coke label on a water bottle, and water is still inside. And when you think about that, we can put all kinds of titles and other things on it, but there is possession and satanic forces that are around us every day. And it would be good 
to see some of those things at some times so that fear of God would strike the people's hearts. And I'm not saying we should sit around and pray for these things to happen, but I'm telling you that we shouldn't sit around in our churches always going, no, 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 it's not going to happen. It's not really there. It's not that. Listen, what John Phillips says, the world is already being prepared for what is to come. It is one of the ironies of the age in which we live in, and at the time when scientific enlightenment is at its zenith, and men are educated, they're pragmatic, they are materialistic, they are extreme, and in the millions they are turning to the occult for entertainment. They're turning to demon possession for enlightenment and eventually enslavement. This man's gone to be with the Lord, but let me tell you something. There are movies produced mostly every Halloween that are demonic movies. And I'm not even talking about it because I hate clowns. But I'm telling you, there are demonic movies and you are allowing yourself or your children to go and to view these things where bodies are contorted and twisted and demons are running at them and they come out of the movie theaters laughing about this when God tells us in the Word, someday this is going to take place and you need to wake up. The Bible says that this will happen and what we have done today is figured out how we could make a dollar out of what is actually going to take place. You know what that's doing? That's numbing the situation. That is numbing culture. That is dumbing everything down to where no longer are people scared of the demonic world and we are becoming more and used to it into the fact to what it doesn't even bother people anymore doesn't even bother people anymore. To what happens, people join. Oh, Wiccan is just a simple matter of just believing in nature. No, it isn't. It is wicked. It is satanic. It is sorcery. It is witchcraft. Well, Brother Steve, getting my palm read by someone that is a soothsayer, that's not really a big deal. It's just for fun. It's just for laughs. No, it isn't. It's wicked. And it should not be done. It is wickedness that you are bringing in. Oh, but Brother Steve, listen, it grows and it grows and it grows and then it eventually moves from entertainment to enslavement. It's wicked. Listen, parents, if you see it, you need to help your kids out to understand what it is. That's your duty. That's your position as a parent to help them to understand why they don't need to see that. Why that is wicked. Why you should not entertain that stuff. Why you should not let it into your homes. And not let it into your child's minds. Because Satan will come and attack over and over. And they'll grow up as adults that sit in the house of God. That struggle with the fact of demons and other things in the house. That's what happens. And then people nowadays, instead of talking about it, they want to understand and they say, well, it's paranormal and it's ghosts and other things. When we die, our bodies either go to hell or you go to the presence of God. But there are angels and there are demons that present themselves as angels of light and you need to beware. I'm glad to know that when my granny died and my papa died, that their spirit is in the presence of God Almighty. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, the body goes to the dirt, but the spirit goes back to the Lord who gave it. And I'm glad that they're there and not in my back bedroom. Amen. 
I'm glad that they are in a place that is comfort and that they are in a place of peace. Well, Brother Steve, what about somebody that's an unbeliever? Could they haunt the room? Could they do all of that? No, the Bible says that when they die, they go straight to judgment, that they are in hell just like the rich man and lifting up their eyes being in torments. No, 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 no. Well, Brother Steve, what is all this stuff? Listen, there are demons out there and there are also angels out there. The Bible says to be careful that you entertain angels unaware. The Bible also tells us that demon possession is true. Listen to what John Phillips ended with. He says, every year, hundreds of new books are published dealing with demonism, witchcraft, magic, spiritism, ghost, and prophecy. Every season, it brings a quota of television shows featuring similar themes. Soothsayers, prophets, astrologers, fortune tellers are giving avid hearing by the millions. The groundwork is being laid for an enormous increase in demonic activity soon to burst upon the earth what will happen under the blowing of the fifth trumpet will be made all the easier because why because men and humanity have made the preconditioned efforts to reject biblical truth of the doctrine of demons and angels we're preparing see the angels prepared to blow the trumpet but by you allowing this garbage into your home, into your life, into your heart, and into your mind, you know what's going on? It's funny, ain't it? You know what's going on? All you're doing is preparing yourself for the day when the demons will open up that pit. Listen, and they will come out in a force that is so horrible. And you're preparing yourself for it. You're preparing yourself for a battle. Let me tell you, sir, you're preparing yourself for a battle that you're going to lose. You're going to lose that battle. It's not funny. It's not happy. It is absolutely fearful. It is absolutely horrible. Brother Adam, horrible to think about. Wretched, damned creatures, angels, unleashed, who have been bound, ready to wreak havoc on mankind. Why? Because they hate you. They hate you. And ready to do this. And when the pit is opened up, the great smoke comes out of it to where now darkness is upon the face of the earth again. Not only is the third already dark, but I want you to listen to what the opening pit. Listen, I've already talked about that. It says smoke will come up. Look at verse number three. It says, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Hang on with me this morning. And it, commanded, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither green, any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God. Look in their foreheads. Look at verse number 5. And it says, And to them was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented. How long? Five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. I want you to look at John's description. We're going to walk through this real slow. John's description of these demons. Brother Steve, it says that locusts came out. It says that they had like, like the power of scorpions and stuff. Listen, the Bible actually says that they had the power of the locust, but they had the pain, the pain of the sting of a scorpion. In Israel, there's this thing that's called an Israeli yellow scorpion. They grow about six inches long, and they actually cause the sickness upon the people that a lot of people can make it through and they'll live. But some people, young children, they'll die from the sting of this scorpion. This thing looks nasty. It's got all these little furry, fuzzy, little hairy things on them. 
It has the huge tail that comes around the back. But the description of this, I want you to notice, I want you to look at what John is trying to describe of what he's seen in heaven. He's using an earthly illustration, Brother Jack, to show us what these demons are like. Number one, he says there came out, it says that they were locusts. That's the first thing. There are 11 things we'll talk about. you got some bullets on there. It says they were like locusts upon the earth. What does it mean, the locust? In Israel, the locusts could come out in swarms so big that they would darken the sun. It's said that even now that locusts could come out. And you know how long they last? They usually last about five months. But what they do is they go and they eat all of the crops and they eat everything. And people began to be hungry because all of their crops are eaten up by these locusts. The Bible is not saying that they're locusts. John says that when they came up out of the pit, out of that smoke, he said it was just like those locusts that cover the earth. In Israel, it's those locusts. In other words, they had such power. There were so many of them, is what John's saying, that they would darken the skies. John is not trying to give you a description of a locust or a grasshopper or a cricket. John's trying to say there were so many of them that came out. It was like when the locusts came in Israel and would darken the sun. Thousands upon thousands. And here we are. We look at it. You know the Bible tells us this. It tells us that we don't have a number of the angels that are created. We don't have a number of the angels that were created. But what we do understand is that a third of them fell with Lucifer when he fell. Listen, so if there's this huge number that's out there, we don't know how many. But listen, when we get to Luke chapter number 8, verse 31, Sister Darla, we think Legion is probably one of the baddest demons and force of demons that were ever around. A thousand? I mean, Mary Magdalene had seven. Seven, right? A legion of demons in this guy? Boy, that's a lot. John's trying to tell you not to be overdramatic, but he's trying to show you, no, 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 no. When that pit opened up, there were so many of them that it was like the locust as they come in by the thousands and the ten thousands and the ten thousands of thousands. He said, these were everywhere. Look at the next thing that he says. Number two is, is that unto them was given power. Power was given unto them. The power that was given unto them the Bible teaches us that it's authority. The next thing it says that they were scorpions. They were like the scorpions, and they had the uh, the power that was like uh, uh, the power that a scorpion had. In other words, what kind of power does a scorpion have to inflict pain? I mean, think about it for a moment. What good? I mean, scorpions. Really? You know, when you look at God and you go, all of your creations, God. Wow, scorpion. You know, as if the spiders weren't enough, you had to have another arachnid that, that had a tail with a big old stinger on it. You know? I mean, what are they good for? Getting in the garbage? You know what I mean? The pine scorpions that we have around here. Boy, I'm glad, aren't you, that those little pine scorpions get maybe about that big. But I don't want one six inches. I'm telling you now. You talking about a screaming girl running, that'd be me. I don't want that stuff. They had the power to inflict pain. The Bible says in verse number 7, it says they had the shape of the locusts were like this. He said, they were like horses prepared to battle. <laughs> what? Horses prepared to battle. Don't get all messed up and go, okay, wait a minute. Now I'm trying to get this picture in my head of this locust. And I'm trying to see that he's got a tail like a scorpion. And now he's like a horse? No. These are characteristic. These are descriptions about what he's seeing. He's saying that they are lining up as though they are going to battle 
against the world. What's happening, church? Brother Butch, what's going on is this demonic force has now joined hands together and they are coming against the people that have not the seal of God in their forehead, coming against them in such a way that it seems as though they're combined as a team. That they're coming swift and they're coming fast. Look at the next thing it says on their heads. We're like crowns of gold. Don't you know that all of this, it says, it was, was like horses prepared. And on their head were, as it were, crowns of gold. It's not really crowns of gold, but it was like that. Why? We know that the 24 elders had crowns of gold as they sat upon the throne of God, or the throne, or around the throne of God, amen, on their thrones. We know that they cast it down before the feet of Jesus as what? Giving glory and honor back unto the one who sits upon the throne and to the lamb who's in the midst, right? This one says that they've got crowns of gold. Why? Because Satan's always wanted to rule. And Satan's forces have always wanted to be ones that were kingly and rule. Listen, pay attention. It says they had faces like the face of men. What did it mean? It meant that they tried to blend in and to mingle themselves among all of the others. And that's what happens with a satanic force. The next thing it says is they had hair like a woman's hair. Now, I know that some of y'all are thinking today in the world that we live that this may be uh, very much the day that we live in. That, that It's descriptive. What it's talking about is, yes, as they try to mingle in with you, listen, they are also seductive. They are also going to tempt people, listen, not to go out and just run away from them. No, 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 but listen, they're going to seduce them in a way to bring them to themselves. Listen, I don't know about y'all. I see a snake, you can have it. If I see a spider, you can have that one too. If I see those poisonous things, I don't want anything to do with them. You can have all of mine, and I'm not stingy in that area at all. Listen, and if we ever come across a scorpion, you can have it. You can have it. But the Bible's teaching us not only do they have the face of men where they try to blend in, but they'll be seductive. Listen, the Bible says what for a woman? It says that a woman's hair, what Paul say, is for her glory. What did it say? It was to actually help her to stand out in her own glory, in her own uniqueness and beauty of being a woman. And God knows we need that preached today. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But that's why God gave that woman hair. I'm not, I'm not talking about if you got, you know, sure, I'm talking about that God created us male and female and he separated us. Listen, it, it just wasn't, look, it would not look right if I had a woman's flowing hair. Okay, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It would take away from all the manliness. Right? It would. And that's what he's saying. He said, God said that hair was given to a woman for her glory. For the glory of God also. But Satan takes everything God has given for glory and honor. And what does he do? He turns it into seductive and sinful things. It says their teeth are like the teeth of lions. Right? Why? Paul... Uh, Clearly told us. Peter also clearly told us what? He said, Satan, your adversary, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's saying all these characteristics. Look at these last things. He says they had breastplates like they were the breastplates of iron. Go and look up that yellow Israeli scorpion. Look at the back of that thing and understand. See how those ribs go across the back of it all. Watch the video that actually shows that little stinking thing crawling around. I don't know about y'all, but it just makes me want to stomp it. Listen. All of this stuff, the sound of their wings were like the sound of chariots, like many horses running into battle. Many horses that are going. All of this stuff's happening, church. And they had the tails like scorpions in verse number nine, or verse number 10. They had the tails like in the scorpions, and their sting was in their tails, and they could hurt men, mankind, for five months. 
Listen, I'll close with this. Brother Brandon's going to go ahead and come on. The Bible says that they had a king about them. It says that star that was fallen was like their king. I know I've lost you. I know I've lost you somewhere along the way. I know that I'm not as popular as the Twitter feed and all that good stuff. Or your cell phones. And I lose you along the way sometimes because this gets really, really thick and really, really deep. I know that sometimes you, when you come to church, that really only all you want to hear is all just the grace and the faith. And all of the good things and the good things. What kind of pastor, what kind of preacher would I be if I just took all of this out and said, you know what, I'm I'm not going to do that. When when we do the study on Revelation, we're just going to do the first five chapters and then go over to chapter 19 and finish this book out. You know, there, there are many people that do that. And I hate to be ugly about it, but I think in my own terms and my definition, they're charlatans. They're fake and they're charlatan. Because if they're not going to preach the truth to you, then they just need to sit down and not preach at all. This book's got some hard things in it, and I lose you sometimes. I really want you to pay attention. I know a lot of people are moving around, but I want you to pay attention. Because I'm trying to help you to understand that you don't want to be here during all this. This star that promoted himself as their king. In just a few of the verses, look at verse number one, the Bible says. It says, he saw the star fall from heaven and the key was given to him to open the bottomless pit. But look at verse number 11. It says, they had a king over them. Who had the king? These demons had a king over them. And look at what it says. Which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Whose name in the Hebrew is Abaddon. And in the Greek, his name is Apollyon. You know that in the Hebrew, that means his name is destruction. In the Greek, Apollyon, it means his name is destroyer. The Bible says that Jesus tells us that the thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and to destroy. He is the killer and he is the destroyer. He is the destruction and the destroyer. Church, one of the saddest verses is found wrapped up in Revelation 9. In Revelation 9 and verse number 6, the Bible says that humanity begins to cry out for death. It does not say one person cries out for death. It says humanity, men and women. Brother Mitch, I cannot comprehend it. They cry out for death. Look at what it says. And in those days shall men seek death and they won't find it. It's the saddest thing that you can think of. They have been stung. Do you know what happens when that yellow Israeli scorpion stings someone? Actually, it affects the nervous system. And when it goes into the nervous system, it does this. It makes them restless. It makes them have muscle cramps throughout their body. And it causes them to be nauseated and to have vomiting and other things. But the main thing is is restlessness and the muscle cramps that go on through their body. Do you know what? God is showing you. An illustration that if you go through life without him, if you try to keep enduring life without him, that those demons that come and that are even here now some, but not this bottomless pit, skid row, death row kind of demons, when they come, it says it's, they're going to bring you nothing but restlessness. 
Nothing but restlessness. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah, the wicked are like the troubled sea. They're just rocking and they're rolling. Rocking and they never, listen, they never have peace. You know what? I can go home. God willing, if nothing happens, I'm going to take me a Holy Spirit-filled Sunday afternoon nap. I'm going to eat a little bit of lunch. And I'm going to lay down and take a nap. Some of you have already had yours. I'm going to take my nap. Arrogance. I'm going to take my nap when I get home. I'm going to worship God here. And I'll take my nap when I get home. And you know what? I'll be able to lay my head down and know that there's no demon powerful enough. There's no devil strong enough that can come into my life. There's no demon possession that could ever happen to me. I have peace in knowing. You say, how do you know that? Because I have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of me. And there's only room for one. And he, listen, you say, Brother Steve, do you believe a Christian could be possessed? No, I don't. No, I believe if you possess the Holy Spirit of God, you can't possess the devil at the same time. You can't be sweet water and bitter water. You can't be righteous and unrighteous at the same time. It's one or the other. But can you be oppressed? Sure, the devil comes after us all the time. I mean, everybody in here uses that excuse. Ask anybody why they sinned this week. The devil made them do it. Everybody. Why did you lie? The devil made me do it. Why did you do that? Why did you say that? The devil made me do it. I mean, the devil is only one, but he's everywhere. No, no, no. You can be oppressed by demons. The saddest verse you'll ever find is right here is that people are going to be crying out to die and they're not going to be able to die because death will flee from them. Listen, humanity cries out. But here's the last thing. Not only do we see that star and we see that <clears throat> the sad and the uh, fearful thing, the sight that's going to happen, but look at the very last thing. The Bible says that we can have assurance of God's sovereignty. We can have assurance of God's sovereignty. What is sovereignty, Brother Steve? I'll show you. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. Look at this. And to him was given. That's sovereignty. Look at this next verse, number three. It says, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power. It's God's sovereignty. Verse number four, it says, And it was commanded them. And then look at this last verse, verse number five. And to them it was given. That, that's God's sovereignty. You say, what is God's sovereignty, Brother Steve? God's sovereignty is the fact of, listen, he's in control. That God's got power. Let me say something to you that really blew my mind that I've been studying. And I read, and I can't remember if it was D.L. Moody or who it was. But they said, he may be the devil, but he's God's devil. And I read that and I went... Man, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense until I thought about God's sovereignty. See, God is God. He's not created. But Satan was Lucifer, an angel of light that was created that fell, amen, into darkness and was cast out of heaven. Satan may be Satan, but he is still under God's control. Now, here's a question. Why would God want to use, why would God allow Satan to do these things? Why would God want to use evil to judge evil? The Bible plainly says the words that you speak will be the words that judge you. The evil that you do will be the very evil works that turn around and judge you. Jack, that's, that's, that's a just and holy God. God says, listen, here's what's righteous. Here's what's unrighteous. If you commit unrighteousness, you will surely die. Right? That's God's sovereignty. And here's the last thing. But there's also God's amazing grace. We can have assurance of God's amazing grace. Brother Steve, I can't see God's grace in these scriptures, but you can. 
The Bible says, but that they should be tormented five months. These demons were locked up since Satan fell from heaven. These demons have been in this pit for that long. And God says, here's the key. Satan opens it up like, yes, woo! God says, five months. You know what the number five in the Bible is an illustration of, a characteristic of, is God's grace. Look at verse number 10. It says, and they had tails like in the scorpions, and there was power. Look, how long? Five months. Five months. God says that his grace is always greater. His grace is always greater, church. The very last thing, the very last scripture says this. One woe is past, and there are two more coming. So what do you do with a what do you do with a verse like that? How do you wrap it up? How, how do you how do you close it? I mean, I get to be the pastor, but I'm asking you this more. How do you close that up? Knowing that these things could actually be in your future if you reject Christ and you walk away from him. Listen to me. That thing about, oh, I did this when I was little and I got the t-shirt for being baptized, that's not going to hold up. It's not. So what do you do with it? You know what the sad thing is? Is some of you are going to go home. You're going to sit around this afternoon in between your napping time and eating time and you're just going to go through your phone. And you're going to see all these things. Some of you have already planned. And you're going to go home and watch some kind of good movie. It's got some kind of adultery in it. It's got some kind of witchcraft in it. It's got some kind of killing and murder and demonic. And you're just going to go through life and you're just going to continue to think, oh, as long as I go to church, I'm okay. I'm good. That's not the truth. See, the truth is actually this. God loved you so much that he was willing to reach down with his hand and save you. God loves you so much that he was willing to pull you out of the miry clay of sin and to give you a brand new life. God loves you so much that Jesus said, I'll give you my peace. I'll give you my strength. I'll give you my, what? Joy. I'll fill your cup up with my joy. He tells you all that. But yet you continue to go back. You, you'll be more focused. And this is, this is true. This is true in our church. You'll be more focused this week about a ball game than you will about your Bible. That's the truth. And I'm not bashing anybody. More people will be concerned about a ball game than they will be about their Bible. Isn't that true? Yes. And we wonder, where's the power in the church? Where's the power that the church used to have? Well, if you want to go back, those preachers preached about this stuff. Those preachers stood on the truth. They looked at you in your eyes and they told you exactly what was going to happen. And they told you of a hell that was to shun and a heaven that was to gain. They told you about the blood of Jesus that can save you. Just like Brandon sang about, there's a remedy for all of your sins. It's all about the amazing grace of God. Will you stand with me? Listen, as you stand and put all those things aside, look, take, take everything you got, just kind of lay it down in that pew or that seat where you're at. I invite you this morning to do one of two things. You can do it right there where you're at. You can come to this altar this morning. I invite you to do one of two things. Number one, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? What more do I need to tell you? What more do I need to share and to show in the scriptures? If there's more, come talk to me. Ask me. Ask me questions. Whatever. 
What more could be done? Listen, the truth to that is, is that nothing more can be done. Your salvation's been paid for. All you have to do is trust and believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Brother Steve, you mean I just got to think about it and just think good thoughts about it and that's, that's how I get saved? No, no, no. When you trust and believe, that means you believe on Him. That means you stop living your life the way that you think you should run it because He becomes your King and your Savior and your Lord. And now you go, oh, okay. In surrendering and believing in Him means that I've got to turn my life over to Him. That means that I can't do all this other stuff that I want to do. I've got to follow Him. That is what salvation is. So if you think you have salvation, but you're not following him and you only come on Sunday, you're not following him, you're not walking with him, he's not your Lord, listen, what kind of salvation is that? It's not biblical salvation. It's not a biblical, it's a social salvation today. And the other thing is this. Church, if this scripture, Christians, those of you who say you're saved, if this scripture, listen, if it bothers you, then something's wrong. Bothering you because it will happen, I understand it bothers me. But if it bothers you because you think you may be here, then something's wrong with your salvation. You need to have peace. And number two, the last thing, listen. Christians reading that scripture, it should cause you, it should stir you up in here to go, God, thank you for saving me. Prideful men and women, it should cause you to go glory to God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for delivering me from the hour of wrath that is to come. It ought to at least make you say, thank you, God, that I'm a part of the family of God. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, if that's you this morning, I invite